three, two, and one. What's up, guys? You guys are probably wondering, where the heck have you has he, yeah? Oh my gosh, I can't even speak English. Well, you know that's not the same. Well, that's still the same, actually. You're probably wondering where in the world have I been? To be honest, I've been going through a process. It's 2020, a lot of changes. A lot of strange occurrences happening in the world all over. Pandemic, a lot of political confusion, a lot of twists and turns. It's almost like a novel of unfortunate events. But I'm back. Also, you probably realize there's a change in the name. And that is because... My name is Anthony Anthem, a.k.a. Black Fabio, a.k.a. The Midnight Marauder, a.k.a. Mr. A.k.a. And you are now with the new show, Anthem Arena. Now, our first guest today is a gentleman that has served our country, always about bringing in good values for the people of the state of Texas. He's a gentleman. He's a friend. To me, he's also a champion and a man with a strong view of justice. This man next to me, his name is Cornelius Maxwell, a.k.a. the coolest guy I've ever met in my life. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How you doing, my man? I'm doing good, man. This is a long time waiting. I know we've been wanting to do this for a while now. Yeah, man. It's, you know how it is. It's, things have been crazy with the pandemic and things of that nature. But, you know, the thing is, we got to be persistent and we make it work. And that's what we've done, man. We... we Got together and we make it work. Indeed. So, so how's life been treating you? How's your health and everything with everything that's going on? Man, everything's good, man. I can't complain. I'm blessed, you know. Um, yeah. Every year I've moved. So I'm no longer in Texas now. So, um, oh, yeah. I'm Where are you Texas. at now? I'm in the great DMV area now. So, really? Yes, You're sir. in DC. Yes, really? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, Damn. I love DC. I got some good <laughs> go-go music and stuff out there. I love that place. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah, it's nice. It's cool. And, and the the history in DC is awesome, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of history, man. It's like, I'm just going places. It's like, man, let me research this place. Man, I didn't know that took place there, you know? And it's just, it's just a lot of history in, in the area. So, a lot of people don't know there's so many hidden gems. Like, they think of all the major monuments, but they don't understand how there's some small pieces and increments in every part of that city. That's yeah. just beautiful. Yeah, it, 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 uh, I tripped out once, right? Because I took the Amtrak to uh, NYC. Mm -hmm. And the Amtrak, that spot there, there's a plaque there. And, it, and, it, and when you read the plaque, it says this is the exact spot where the, um, was it was when Virginia had became, or the city of Alexandria, this was an mm -hmm. Alexandria, where Alexandria had actually left the uh, Union and joined the Confederacy. And the next day they were captured by the Union, <laughs> the very next day. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> that is irony at its strongest. <laughs> yeah. And so it, it was, you know, I thought that was pretty funny. Just reading it like the next day, and like the next day. And I was like, oh, it's pretty interesting. So it's like things like that, it catches your attention. It's like, I didn't think I was going to learn a history lesson that fast. Just, Riding the Amtrak, you know, it's awesome, yeah. So yeah, it's an amazing place, you know. And, and people look at the history, like even just the uh Lincoln Memorial and uh, even just like the White House, just just all around, just it's just so much history, man. It's and it's like you're constantly learning history, so I think it's awesome. There's nothing wrong with learning something new every day. If you're not learning something new, you're not living, you're not breathing, I don't think. So it's always good to gain knowledge from some piece, especially in your surroundings. Like I could say the same thing about my town. Like I live in Independence, Missouri, basically a little bit outside of Kansas City. This is the home of Harry S. Truman. And everywhere you walk around, there's a piece of history. There's a battlefield at your local park. There's history on the Oregon Trail and all the other trails, of course. Um, there's just so many things you can see in your surroundings. People, a lot, a lot of people will live in a city and not know anything about the history, how it got started, how it was established, 
what does this have to do with building moderate America? And I think it's important. You should know a little bit of the background of where you come from. Education is a powerful thing, especially in your surroundings. Facts. I agree. And, 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 you know, it's been an awesome year for me, man. Besides the move, um, remember the last time I was on, we talked about the transition with this theory, the yes. working off of the vets and the theory, and that's going places now, and really going places. Right. You know, um, remember we wrote as a bill, we was working a petition, and now it's up for, in 2021, it's up for an Academy Award. Um, really? Yes, sir. From the uh, Academy of the United States Veterans, and it's doing the public uh, voting right now. And so if you go to their website, the United States, uh, the Academy of the United States Veterans, mm-hmm. and vote and vote transition units theory. And the goal is, is to win that award, you know, and bring more notoriety to it. And um, it's going to have celebrities doing the whole red carpet. It's, it's in D.C. And uh, it's a big deal, man. It's like anybody, anybody in the military community is, is there. Um, wow. times the, even sometimes the president of the United States show up to their events. So it's a, a big deal. Correct. And so that's awesome, man. And, and that's going, and like I said, I want to do big things with that. And also I published my first book this year also. So yes, sir, you did. Yes, sir. Unapologetically, I'm a man. So definitely. Speaking and, of which, uh, I'll have him send me the links. We're going to put them below some of the wonderful things he's talking about and then of course on that book he wrote speaking of which i gotta ask as a man that wrote a whole book a lot of people don't understand the process and the progress to take you must have had to take some time to really concentrate on coming up with your theories and coming up with the whole concept what what made you what made you decide that you needed to write this book man it's something i've been thinking about for about on and off, I've been working on it for, since I was for my last five years or so. But even when I was a kid, I always knew that I wanted to write a book. So this year just presented the, the opportunity, man. It's like I had the time, Corona kicked in, and I was able to make the connections. And like it was just divine timing, man. Like everything just fell in place. And and the book, when I initially started writing, I wrote my first, the first poem of the book. Uh, it was called Unapologetically, I'm a Man, which is the title of the book. And I was inspired by Dr. King's protest, his last protest, um, I Am a Man. And I started, you know, dissecting, like, why did he make that protest about that? You know, you're talking about the sanitation workers down in, uh, in Tennessee. And I was like, but specifically, what was the value of him being a man as the reason, you know, of the, of the shooting? And, and why did he choose I Am a Man as the principle to stand on, you know? And it, so I started researching, man, and I just started looking up birthrights. I once I started realizing that, you know, just as and we look at slavery and slave tactics, they always they always said take the black man out the home and take Thank him out you. the picture, and it, that's how you perpetuate the slave cycle. And they talked about the independent woman mentality, and that's how you, you use that to leverage to perpetuate the slave thinking and, and slave processes. And I started thinking, why would they do that? And so I started realizing it was about the birthrights. And I started mm-hmm. deep dig, digging deep about birthrights. And you know, we normally think about birthrights, we think about money, house, inheritance. But we don't also include identities and inheritance. And we also include politics as an inheritance. You know, and those birthrights give you power. And we look at, you know, historically, you know, birthrights came politically. And you know, and the thing is, when I talk about uh, talk to a lot of black people, they say, "Well, politics ain't my thing. I gotta stay away from it." But you have a birthright in this country, True. you know. And usually, that birthright is even if you feel like because the policies say black people don't have a, a place in politics, but war does, you know. And and mm-hmm. that's a way to earn a political birthright. It's what Julius Caesar used to come up in politics, and you know, he's one of the greatest politicians to ever live. You know, that's actually very, very true. You Mm -hmm. think about it from a historical standpoint, hey, he was the first to come up with the best concept of what it means to be a politician. Correct. (laughs) Correct. Matter of fact, his father chose the wrong side of a civil war, and he was broke and poor. And so he served in the military in the Roman army, and he worked his way up through the ranks, and he got into politics, and he became a rich man. 
you know, and even the calendar system we use, you know, like the month of July is named after Julius Caesar. Mm-hmm. Once we come from that was Julius Caesar, the time schedule, a uh, time schedule we use, that's all, that's Julius Caesar. You know, that's over 2000 years has been in place. So a lot of people don't know that. Yeah. So the fact that he made this kind of impact and he used, you know, the concept of the military to earn his birthright, to re, to bring the value back to his birthright. And so um, that's why it was so powerful too. When, you know, they say when he, I believe that when he was with Cleopatra and they had a son and, you know, he would, they, people were afraid because his son was going, you know, was going to be either the, the king of uh, Egypt or a senator or a consul of Rome or both at the same time, which made a lot of people panic and worry. So, you know, mm-hmm. it made me do some research, man. And um, I learned a lot because in politics, we, you leverage that. And I even looked at it more, uh, you know, just the history of politics, man, just kings, they passed on the birthright to their sons to be kings and, and things of that nature. And so I thought it was real valuable. And then when you look, at the, you know, and I started opening up my Bible. You know, I was raised in church. My dad is a, a, a minister and my mother's. Right. And so I started, you know, evaluating, analyzing the Old Testament says for teaching. And, you know, the Old Testament talked about, you know, Christ's birthright to be the Messiah, showing that he was a descendant of Abraham and King David. So when they asked him what, under whose authority can you be king? He was a descendant of King David. So he had that authority through his birthright. So it, it, it really made me think on so many levels of the power of birthrights. And, and so it, 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 that's, it also inspired me more to write this book and, and, mm-hmm. and others, you know, these poems and things like that. Cause it's a poem, it's a book full of poems and, and um, hitting the concept of breaking the slave way of thinking to thinking on the line, you know, on the line is a freedom, you know, and, you know, you always got to fight for freedom. That's what they taught us in the military. That was a cadence we've always seen. It was, they used to say like, some say freedom is free, but I tend to disagree. Mm. I know freedom is one from the barrel of my gun. So like, you always got to fight for it and, and things of that nature. So uh, I thought- it comes with a price. Yeah, you, you have to constantly stand on it and that's generationally. And, and we have to be vigilant about that. So- that's very good, and that's very, very true. That's a really raw statement right there. So let me ask you this. So in the current times that we're living in, what's your thoughts on everything that's taking place? I know tomorrow, um, for those who don't know, it's probably going to be the fourth when this comes out, so it'll be the day after election. So what's your thoughts on how everything's going to go tomorrow for our election um, process? It's a close race right now from last my checked. It's a close race. And I think that we'll see how it plays out um, in, in how it plays out. Because, I mean, it's in the end of the day is, man, when I, I keep saying this, and I'm going to keep saying this, and I'm going to keep saying this, mm-hmm. right? This is, uh, you know, and, and I, especially when I talk to the Black community, people that look like you and me. And I say that one thing we need to do is create an agenda that's going to benefit our cause, right? And... And once we create that agenda, then we need to leverage it through both parties and, and utilize the fact that we are the, our vote is a deciding vote, right? So yes, we make vote and do things for it. And so that's valuable. So we really need to start right after the selection cycle, right? Once it's over, we need to start pushing our own agenda because there's another election coming in two years. Very true. We need to put these people in place now that's going to actually make them fight for our vote to get into office at the state and local levels um, and even at the U.S. level for their House seats, their Senate seats and things of that nature. And and even at the local levels and and we need to make them sit here and fight for our, our own agenda. So I have a five-phase agenda that I want to push out. That's my own agenda that I think that will benefit the Black community. And I break it down to the first step is we need to gain political influence. Mm-hmm. That's one thing the black community's never had in the United States is fair representation politically. Truth. Right. 
So then the, once we do that, once we start to get more involved and have fair representation, we can start developing wealth, right? This is the same system that people have already used, right? There's, there's nothing that I'm creating. It's the fact that I just broke it down to an analysis, right? So then once we get the political influence, we can start uh, building economically, right? Because historically in the black community, we've shown that we can develop economic stability. Tulsa, Oklahoma for one, Rosewood, Florida is another. Facts, Black Wall Street. Right. Correct. So we, we, but we, they built the economic stability, but they didn't have the political influence. No, unfortunately. And that's why it got destroyed. Correct. So if we take that scenario first, now we, we build the economic stability by using the power of the fair representation in, in the political system to back us, right? That's so now correct. we can turn, because think about it, we, we can use, have them leverage where we can take small business owners in the black communities and we can have them uh, create funding, have more access to the SBA programs, you know, have more access to these opportunity zones that's opening up some more access to more education system, how to scale their business or uh, more opportunities to get loans for their business or even grants, right? So that way they can create jobs within the community. Which right. is well needed. There's a lot of Correct. people, if you think about it, um, especially in the last couple years, that have really been trying to push that concept in the neighborhoods. Um, good example, the... Um, the late artist, Dipsy Hustle, he was trying to do the same thing for his neighborhood in Crenshaw. Um, yeah. And I saw what he was doing with that. And if we had more like-minded individuals to bring this to a lot of neighborhoods, we mm -hmm. could actually see a wealth that could go on for generations, which is Correct. important. Wealth for the neighborhood, wealth for kids. Like I was talking about uncle the other day and we were talking about something as simple as life insurance. Mm -hmm. And I realized in our community, this is something we don't discuss. We don't discuss things like this. Like mm -hmm. what if someone so passes away, next thing you know, it is a GoFundMe and a t-shirt sale or something instead yeah. of, you know, building wealth for the next generation mm -hmm. and making an investment yeah. lawfully. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, matter of fact, I saw an article. I can't remember where I saw it from, but it really made me think because it said when an average of, and like I said, I don't, I don't, I'm not racist. I'm not, I'm not coming from a racist standpoint here, but mm -hmm. this white person dies, they die with at least $250,000 to pass along to the next generation, right? Right. They have a house, land, uh, mm -hmm. something. And that includes the entire population. They said when a black person dies, what we have is $8. And this includes with the millionaires, that they broke down to an average. The average is eight dollars. That's true. So, and when I saw that, I was like, "Man, we really, America really has to come to the point where we need to atone for what we've done." And and since we have never atoned, we've kind of just swept on the rug or put a bandaid here and there, and we do some, but we never dug deep down inside and, and put the black community in a position where we can have generational. Uh, pride, yes, rights, and and every culture in this country has birthrights. Rather, if it's their name, mm -hmm. if it's their traditions, right? Because this, you know, now, and and it really. So I had this conversation with someone. And they were saying, "Man, hit birthrights." They're like, "You're right," because we don't have traditions that welcome us into manhood, and everyone celebrates our manhood. Oh, it's true. I mean, think about it. You think about the um, the the Latino community and their upbringings for those who are considered to be a man or a woman. Uh, the Jewish community, um, certain Asian communities, they have their own tradition. For us, like being African Americans, that's something that we lost when we left Africa. Because you go to Africa, like whether it's tribal or village-wise or any type of community. They have these like up and coming like moments within their families. And that's how that's how we are missing here. Correct. So, you know, and and it even goes to even the pride without women that welcomes them into womanhood, right? Mm -hmm. The identity of that, because when you don't have these birthrights, 
society can tell you what is your birthright, right? Who are you? They give you your identity. And that's, that's the part that really has destroyed us because we have to come together and change that, right? And create our own identity. That's why we have to create our own agenda, which, which goes back to the, the plan that I'm making, right? Because it's based upon that, right? So we talked about the first part is having political influence. The second part is economic stability. So mm -hmm. the third part is that we build our education and healthcare system, right? For ourselves, because now we have the, the finances and when you and we know the education system is funded by tax money, taxpayer money. Well, now you have more people with jobs. So now since they're all working, right, they own their business or they employ you someone in the neighborhood with the business, you have more taxpayers to tax. So it's been America financially, it's sound economics, right? Yes, very true. It's sound yeah. economics. So now mm. when that we were able to do that portion, right? So now we go to the fourth part, which is home ownership and land ownership, which is something the black community doesn't own. We don't own the neighborhood. Again, that's it creates more tax dollars, right? You pay property taxes. So now they can even so so it's more beneficial for the United States to say, you know what, we might as well um the black community out because now we can tax them for home ownership and land ownership, just like they tax everybody else, right? We're asking quality. We want to be taxed for home ownership too. We don't want to be the renter. We want to be the owner as well. So and we're starting to see a lot of people really change that up and understand the concept of what it really truly means to own your own land and own your own property, which, mm -hmm. and I, and there's still people that don't understand how important that is to have those assets because you can pass it. Like I said earlier, that's something you can pass on to the next generation. Um, now could I, you got to be thinking about something because like I got a friend in New York and he was telling me, like, the, the neighborhood he grew up in, like, it used to be, you know, a huge community of black people. And now, you know, people are buying up all these buildings for cheap, his old neighborhood. And it's people from either China or just people outside the neighborhoods that live in more upper class, upper scale areas and raising up the rent and making a huge line of gentrification where the same neighborhood he was living in since he was like nine years old now mm -hmm. he can't even afford to live in that neighborhood a lot of the people that he grew up with had to move out because of the changes mm -hmm. and that's a good lesson on why you should own your own property right there correct but like i said we've never we don't have the position to so this was in the position because the the one thing you have to understand about home and land ownership is you don't have american to own it right so you can have someone from China buy the land and buy the property while they're still in China. True. So, so now it puts us in a position to that says we want foreign people that live in foreign countries to have ownership in America. You rather have, you know, uh, Americans owning America, right, and owning land in America. So it's again, it's beneficial in the sound economics, right, mm -hmm. and so which creates that fourth step now creates the fifth step, which is the birthrights, which is the American dream is to be able to pass your birthrights down. That's politically, that's, that's uh, education wise, that's financially, that's inheritance wise, as far as property and money and businesses. So now that is wraps up the American dream in a five phase program that, that I believe can help now, you know, I know this is gonna take time, but these phases all have a meaning. You know, and, and that's why I explain it this way, because I feel that it, it is beneficial and is the American thing to do, you know, and be, because in the end of the day is there being America, you know, been found the principles of all men are created equal. Well, America hasn't been true to black people on that. And, and we can go as recent, even as the 1960s, where, you know, they had the factories in the black neighborhoods and, and, and with that, those factories end up leaving and everyone who works in the factories, right? You know, the mom, dad, the whole family, mm -hmm. they live decent, they live well, you know? And so when they took those out, what they do, they end up bringing the, the cocaine epidemic and the mass incarcerations, which has hindered us as recent as the 1960s through the seventies, the eighties and the nineties. So we had to rebuild from that. And, uh, and I said, this agendas like these that attach all these articles, right? Because now you, we're hitting 
pretty much every topic of uh, equality in America. And that's what we want to do is make America just that. Make, make America true to its word and hold America accountable for uh, their principal call it land of the free, home of the brave, then let's hold America accountable to that. So I completely agree. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be for just some, it should be for all. Correct. Correct. That is, that's that was something I was speaking with my little brother about. Like, mm-hmm. why when are we actually gonna stand up and actually keep our word as a country? And to be quite honest, like this is the time for accountability. Like, I don't care who you are. This is a time where we all need to start calling out our government. We need to start calling out the officials. It doesn't matter if it starts with local. It don't matter if it goes even federally. That's something we need to start making a change in. Because the only way things are going to change is that we do it ourselves. We can't wait for somebody to do it for us. Correct. And, and, and that's what I'm saying as far as we go in, in numbers. Because you measure politics in two ways, right? Mm-hmm. You measure in strength in numbers, the masses, right? Strength in numbers. So if you get enough people backing you for a cause, you, you have influence. And of course, with strength in numbers come strength in, in currency, money, right? So you can fund your campaigns, your, and things of that nature. But even so, there are so many levels. You, we, like, we can get involved at the local level, right? Just more of us just saying, you know what? I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna run for the county commissioner or I'm be behind the school boards. I'm going to- Or, be- man or something. Yes. Correct. You know, or you can donate your money to certain causes that you believe in, you know? Um, because like I said, it's either the masses, the people getting involved for fair representation, or you put your money to the vote or both. We really need both I because agree. you measure politics, but overall we need both. And we have to start thinking this way. And, and the thing is, is like the moment I say that a lot of people have hit me with the, well, that's not your place. And you know, you're black, we don't do politics. And that's the problem. We, we need to. We and mentality. If we want to correct. change reality, that's correct. That, and I quoted a rap lyric with that one. Mm-hmm. That was an ice cube rap lyric. If we want to change our mentality, we got to change our reality in the story. Correct. And and it's crazy because we do have to make changes. We have to change that, man. And we have to change our own narrative and our own way of thinking. And even going up, man, I took it and I wrote this poem in this book. And I tied, I've been told by society. And it goes, Freedom will always elude me. Prosperity will not embrace me. The war on drugs will enslave me. Prison is my destiny. Death at a young age is my prophecy. Not able to provide for my family is the way that I'm cursed generationally. To be a pillar in society is not even a possibility. These quotes my whole life I've been told continuously, but I can't understand what I've been told conceptually. God's favor is blessing me eternally. Can't measure my growth infinitely to defy the odds stacked against me perpetually. So, you know, like I said that's called, you know, um, I've been told by society. I just quoted off the top of my head. And wow. it, 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 it means just that, man. My whole life I've been told you're never amount to be anything. But we can't accept that. And look oh. at the, the media says that about us. And they tell us you have to be stereotyped and you have to stay in a certain place. And you know, I, and like I said, I was raised that that's not true. And so, and I stand on that and I believe that and I and I share that message to everyone that this isn't true. You, you can't accept that. You got to be, you got to look beyond that. I agree constantly because that's the way my mother raised us. And plus you got to see things from a different side and point of view. And a lot of times I feel like a lot of, a lot of people don't understand fear is what causes a lot of ignorance. A lot of us mm-hmm. fear because we don't know anything about it. We're scared to admit that we don't know everything or we're afraid to admit that um, maybe I don't know as much as I thought. We're not educated in that. And that's okay not to be educated in something. When you admit that, that's when somebody can come out and give you a helping hand. And that's one thing we need to start doing with each other. It's like, okay, just because we don't know something doesn't mean we can't learn it. I mean, that's something we need to start bringing to the table is let's educate each other on things that we don't know. How can we be better about building businesses? How can we be better about involving ourselves in politics? 
what's the great resources we can use because we live in the age of the internet it's not hard to find anything on the internet if you do the right research and the right mm-hmm. citation yeah like, of course look, my citation is very important and that's why mm-hmm. i think a lot of people get misconstrued when they try to put out facts on social media they're not mm-hmm. looking at their citations that's right. too yes credible credible sources credible right? sources coming from Mm-hmm. Credible, uh, credible insight. People that Correct. people that actually have something that stands firm on the subject, making mm-hmm. sure that it's precise facts. Correct. That's one thing we got to start looking at more because here's a good example. A lot of people thought Michael Jordan, the basketball player, was investing into the prison system. It turned mm-hmm. out it was the wrong Michael Jordan. It was actually. A Jewish gentleman who um, who's like almost seventy years old or something like that, who yeah. is also named Michael Jordan, and that went around for years. And I'm yeah. not gonna lie, it was because I didn't look at the source and citation. I'm just like, okay, I gotta be better about this myself. Yeah. When I'm educating myself about knowing facts, I'm thinking to myself, Michael Jordan's investing in prisons, but it turns out no, this is the wrong Michael Jordan. Yeah. See stuff like that, and. You have to research and read. And that's why I said it was so important for me to really analyze the concept of the birthright, you know? Yes. Uh, because to most cultures, that means the world to them, their birthright. And oh my gosh, birth. yes. You know, history, my birthright, my birthright. Even um, I've seen a fighter, he was in a fight um, on TV. I can't remember who it was. And he's like, this is for my ancestors. And you know, and it was like, man, like people really, I can't remember who it was. It was a, uh, oh. Was it a boxer? I think so. Oh, was it Deontay Wilder? No, it wasn't Wilder. It was, uh, I think the dude was, uh, I think he was like Hispanic. I think he was like Mexican maybe. Um, oh, who was it then? He, he had won too and he was decided by winning. And I can't remember uh, if it was either boxing or UFC. I'm just, I'm just remembering the fact, it's just the fact that he left the impression on me how it was just, uh, he was like, yeah, this is for my ancestors. This is my mom, my dad, you know, my family, uh, my ancestors and my sponsors. But the fact that he went to, to throw that in there <laughs> stuck with me, you know? That, right. that, that I remember the fact he threw that in there. I don't even remember the fighter's name if it was boxing or UFC. I just remember the fact that he just threw it out there, you know? And that's yeah. so if I see an interview, I can tell you who the, who the dude was. Um, but right now, just off my off the top of my head, I can't tell you who the guy is. But and and that's the thing about it is the fact that we got to build in uh, because right now when you look at the black race, what most people think of poverty, free mm-hmm. and identities based upon slavery, and we have to build an identity that's beyond that, right? And sometimes e- that identity is usually made into a caricature. Mm-hmm. And a lot, of, a lot of people love us when we do entertainment. A lot of people love us when we're doing something that, let, let's say, influences pop culture in some way. Yeah. But when it comes to us as a people, when it comes to economics or when it comes to us even touching politics, like we were saying before, that is mm-hmm. something that we're, we're not taking very seriously on. In most cases, most of the time, it's like, okay, we're great. We love the fact that you do entertainment. We love the fact that you rap, you sing, you're an actor, or, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But a lot of the times, we don't get to see more entrepreneurs. We don't get to see the business owners and, yeah. you know, people that want to really impact their communities like, the, like we should. Like, yeah. we'll have like a handful of people that get to do that. And a lot of them had to reach a social status through pop culture. For to make mm-hmm. that concept happen. Yeah. But the thing about you have to remember too is right, because America is you know, built upon European politics, right? Yes. And so when you understand European politics, when you look at the entertainer, what entertainer consider considered as the fool, the jester. Exactly. So they're telling you identity is still based upon the bottom, being on the bottom. And and like this isn't a knock to entertainers or nothing like that, but this is just of, a, course. of, of, of the of the, uh, the the structure, right? Of how things are seen, right? And so, in doing so, that that goes to show that we still have to play a bigger part in the role because now you still have the bottom 
the bottom mentality, right? Or the slave mentality or uh, slave thinking mentality. And so we have to start really analyzing everything about America. Because everything in America is built upon um, from industries, you know, uh, and business and uh, even from redlining. And I mean, just everything in America has been built upon you know, preventing black people from being successful and progressing. And so when we really date down, we gotta really date, take a deep down dive into everything that's America. Analyze, okay. rewrite it, and, and, and rechange the way of thinking on everything. And it's, it's a long journey, it's a long road, but it can be done. And I believe it can be done. Oh yeah, um, here's a good example, okay? So um, my late grandfather, um, he just passed um, last month, and he was um, he was actually a policeman for Kansas City uh, Police Department um, for several years, and he was policing in his own communities. So he was very well respected. He helped out his community. He educated them on things to keep them safe. Um, if there was ever a problem, there um, he was a person they could turn to, and. I realized something very important from learning this about my grandfather. Like we got to start being more involved in our communities. Maybe it's best we start having more black police officers, policing communities they grew up in because mm -hmm. that's what my grandfather did. And because of that, he stopped a lot of police brutality from happening in his time yeah. there. But unfortunately they got rid of him because of the fact he was doing things they didn't want him to do. Mm -hmm. And we started and that was a concept that was very taboo especially in the time he was doing it we're talking like 1960s 70s yeah. of course so you already know they were not liking the fact that he was standing up for us mm -hmm. being in the position he was in we're, the kcpd is supposed to be the most hated thing in kansas city but instead he ended up being beloved because of the fact he wanted to do what's right for the people especially the right for the people in his community yeah. We can do things like that, get ourselves in more office, more involved in law enforcement and things of that nature. That's also another concept we can take and really build our communities as well. Because yeah. it's it's great, it's great influence. We when I see a person like me out there trying to protect our neighborhoods and educating our children, does that make me feel more comfortable? Yes. I we just gotta we gotta start realizing how many open doors we have that we're not utilizing. My grandpa realized that a long time ago. And thinking about it now, that was like before, that was, a, that was an idea and a concept I didn't really think about on how important it was. Thinking about it now, it's more important than ever. Yeah. And, and thing is about them now first of all, I, I you know I'm gonna say uh condolences about your grandfather you know thank you very much you know, yeah most definitely and but it's good that he left that impact right yeah. because being a police officer is also politics yes and, you know and the thing is that they fall in the executive branch it's like the military that's politics no matter how you look at it that's politics that's a military branch so and, and that's what I'm teaching in my books that we need to be involved in all three branches, the judicial system, the legislative system, the executive system. That's what we, we get influenced in all these things about it. We have black police officers who are helping the black, you know, helping black people in those communities. Yes. You eliminate those things. Like your, the example your grandfather said, right? And, and if we start embracing that mentality that, you know, that we, belong, this is our country too. And we gotta take a mm -hmm. everybody else do. Because one thing a lot of people do say to me is, we don't do that. And I love, no, no, we do do that. that that's the, that's freedom. You mm -hmm. cannot think without political influence. You've never in the history of any political system met a king with no political influence. You sure. have political influence. That's what makes you a king. That's what makes you a queen. In fact, you have that political influence. So, true. you know, and, and without it, think about it. And the whole purpose of even doing the slavery to make it believe that you can't, don't read a book. So 
if you want to teach and, and, and all that stuff, right? They say don't they make sure that we don't want us to read. They they you know do all bad things happen for learning to read. Because when you start reading these things, you you start to change your way of thinking. But I think it's important now because we're in a phase where we in the first time, I believe that this is the first time in American history where politics is shifting, right? And so the face of politics is shifting. Who's going to be that face? <laughs> and, and, and this is the conversation in politics is it is shifting because people are, are getting tired of the same old thing and they want something new. But if you want something new, why not be you? And, and that's what I'm teaching in, in my book and unapologetic. I'm a man. So I'm holding each individual accountable for doing something and stepping up. And, 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 and but at the same time, I'm, I'm holding them accountable, but I'm inspiring them to do it at the same time, right? So mm -hmm. my goal isn't to make you feel guilty about what you haven't done, but I want to say, you know what? Let me analyze what I can do and then what can I do next? Because in the end of the day is, politically, we have to leave a birthright for our, our, our heirs. And if we don't, they may get the, the same treatment that's unfair for us, for them, and the next generation, and the next generation. So we have to be the example. And while we live is the time to do it. Instead of waiting for somebody else, we have to do it. We have to step in. We have to start saying, you know what, I'm going to just step up and do it. Exactly. And, 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 and that's the thing. It, and our system isn't even designed for the same people to run, you know, continuously, right? To be in office. That's why we have elections every two years. So since there's elections every two years, you can just go in there and say, you know what? I served the term, got out, made, met a whole bunch of people. And, and once they think like me, we make money together once I'm out of office. You know, that, that's pretty much the concept. It's not... 100% everything in a nutshell, but you know, it's a quick summary, you know, a quick snapshot of things. And that's something that um, people could probably understand a lot more just from the simplicity of that, um, of that just synopsis of what it's really going to truly take. And that's important to continue to educate our communities on these things. And I'm really glad that you came on the show today because that's something that's actually been on my mind, especially for the last couple months. It's like, mm -hmm. what can we do to be better? Because we can do better. Mm -hmm. it, and I'm a, I appreciate you for bringing, um, bringing that to light. And to be quite honest, that's the best way to start a, uh, start a first episode of a new show. <laughs> so I appreciate that for real, man. Seriously. Because yeah. mm -hmm. like, I told myself I needed to start talking more to our people when I do this show. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, it's still going to be fun or whatever. But I felt like you would be perfect for the um, opening episode because I want to let it be known we can do better, we can make this change. And it all starts with us getting out there and really putting influences into politics, into our communities, into what we do every day. It may be a one step at a time. It's not going to happen overnight. And you know what? Us waiting for somebody to give us a handout is not going to happen. We got to do for mm -hmm. self. Believe me, when they start seeing us do for self, that's when you're going to see a lot of difference in how they see us. And then maybe they might want to join in because they're like, oh, okay, let me know. This could be something that works out for me too. Who knows? Yeah. Well, like I said, it's the fact that we don't have a birthright. So when, we, when people talk about police shootings, where they keep shooters in the street, yeah, because where's our birthright politically? Oh, we don't have enough representation to defend us. It's right? True. We, we don't have that reputation. So the fact that we don't have that birthright, still being treated like a slave, because technically speaking, you are a slave. Slaves don't have birthrights. Nope. And to be That's quite honest, we, said, we gotta stop having such a solo mentality and start mm -hmm. having the mentality of a village again, just yeah. like our ancestors. Correct. And, and I make this point, and I tell people this all the time, I said, look at the black Republicans that fought in the Civil War, right? Mm-hmm. Could have took the option of saying, I'm gonna let these, I'm gonna let everybody else fight, but I'm not gonna fight. But they didn't because they understood that politics is more than voting every four years, right? They understood that they had to be involved, they had to fight too, because mm -hmm. it was 
them that birthright that says my people have a right to be free yes. and be involved in the political process and to live as equal people and not be slaves. But if you veer away from that mentality, you have a slave mentality. So, and, and that's what I'm teaching this book as well. That's why the cover is is shaped, is designed that way, right? Where it shows, you know, the cotton fields, the raggedy clothes, the slave, and then it shows the transition of mind of wealth and living like a king. Because in the, the day is that's what it is. And the fact that, you know, when I talk to a lot of people and they say that uh, politics isn't our thing, that's a slave mentality. It is. That's a slave mentality because every culture is ran by politics. The ones who don't run politics are the slaves and, and, and common folk, right? So you have to have a king. You have to have a queen. Somebody has to be involved. You, and then even when you look at the way European politics set up, you can become a king by being a noble. With noble, you have political influence. And to, I want to be honest. I was one of those people at one point. Where mm-hmm. I was like, I hate politics. I hate politics. I don't want to be involved in politics. But as I've gotten older, I realize it's necessary. It's a, it's of course, it's not clean. Politics has never been clean. It's a dirty game, but it's a necessary evil for a lot of reasons because of the fact it gives us the influence. It gives us power. It's a very, it's a piece of power. You can't get nowhere without power, especially in America. I'm not saying we're trying to like run a dictatorship or nothing like that, but my point is. Without some source of power, how are we supposed to light up our communities? Correct. And that that's the whole purpose of my message, right? Mm-hmm. And and I just look at everybody else, right? And think about it. And, and even a lot of times in, when we look at uh, other people, they talk about their family structure. And it's like, we're always the ones left out. Because they, are, they say, you know what? My family go back to 1400s and we can talk about my family. It was like, we cut off mine. I don't. We don't have that, mm-hmm. right? So, and 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 we look at it is every country in the world that's been a major superpower in the history of mankind has has been built off the back of slaves, yes. right? So what I'm saying, America is if we actually atone and and you know change the whole narrative and change the America's past we can actually be the first superpower without a slave class. And, and, and that's the American dream, right? That's the vision of America that's written, right? So we can work around all these loopholes and, and, and make it true to the point that, you know, every man has a right to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. You know, now America has is living according to truth and not hypocrisy. And we don't want America to live in accordance to hypocrisy. And because America still provides great, great opportunities compared to plenty of other countries. Oh, believe me, I know. It's like, uh-huh. yeah, like I'll say this when it comes to this country. Yeah, it has its flaws. Like it reminds me of a statue that I saw um, in a documentary about the Louvre. Statue is a beautiful woman. Like it looks flawless in the front. You look at the yeah. back, it has its cracks. Yeah. Those nice. things could be fixed. <laughs> Believe Correct. me, I don't got to worry about waking up and wondering if I'm going to piss off the dictator in my country and I just mm-hmm. get shot because I looked a certain way that day. Yeah. <laughs> I can at least open my mouth and say something about, you know, the political parties and how they're affecting me and how I feel like I've been wrong. I could say freely mm-hmm. what disgruntles me as an American, but I can also say freely that. I don't gotta worry. I gotta worry about walking around somewhere and wondering if I am gonna run into somebody and end up physically harmed because of my political views. Yeah. But and, yeah. And like I said, America, and it, and like I said, we do have some, you know, plenty of opportunities. And yes. It, and the thing is, is we want fair access to opportunities as well. Exactly. And. and and so in doing so, I believe that we, these are the things that will uh, make this country better and make America be the, come from America, the great experiment to mean America, the great success. 
Yeah, we still got plenty of opportunity. We're still one of the youngest countries in the world. Facts. So it's just like there's nothing but growth that can come mm-hmm. from us being so young. I mean, were we 400 years old now? Correct. Like so we're about 400 plus years old. This is mm-hmm. still an opportunity for us to grow. We we still can learn from our mistakes. Mm-hmm. We can still grow financially because like a lot of these countries that are older than us have that experience, but some of them don't learn from those experiences. Correct. So and this is this and is an opportunity for us to change. Correct. And when you have when you have a slave class, you will always have a revolt, right? Yes. So the fact that you always have a revolt means you always have unrest in that country. Where, because every, not everybody wants to be a millionaire. No. You know, some people are happy with working a nine to five, knowing that they have a roof over their head and they don't have to, you know, they can buy food and they, you know, and they're content. Well, others, they may want it all. They may say, I want the big house. I want the trophy uh, spouse. I, you know, the, right. It, I want the spiritual relate you know, spiritual relationships with whatever God they serve. I mean, it is like we're not forced to even on that aspect, you know, you're not forced to worship a God. You choose your God. You know what I mean? Yes. And I agree. I have a like I have a choice. Like I think the one thing anybody who is living in this country, one thing is they want to be comfortable in their mm-hmm. life. Majority of people don't even want to be part of 1%. They just want to be able to be comfortable. They want to just make sure they have a stable situation that mm-hmm. can, you know, be given to their children and their spouses, whether it's, like like you said, food on the table, roof over your head, a good education, and, you know, maybe be able to, you know, do something frivolous once in a while, like a family vacation or something like that. But mm-hmm. does everybody want, the concept of a gold toilet um, in a um, 1,000 square foot bathroom in Calabasas. I doubt that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> I don't even know what I would do with a 1,000 square feet out of a bathroom, okay? That's bigger yeah. than my apartment. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I got you, man. I got you. Yeah. But it, it, it's the principle, man, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it, it's the principle that you get to choose. Exactly. Your hard work. You know, you want to work for it. You know, you want to honestly work for it instead of steal. Because when I look at, man, when I look at this, uh, the whole system of white supremacy, man, it tells me that a person who believes that literally has no morals. It's hard to have morals with it because it was built upon rape, kidnapping, Mm -hmm. you know, torture. Murder. Correct. So a person who believes that has no morals, in my opinion. And because it shows what you're willing to do. And on that level, like you, you will stop at nothing. And, uh, and being that America is you know, use the, the, the Bible and use God as a founding um, doctrine. You know, and with that founding doctrine, the Bible teaches you have to atone. You know, you must come to a point, and I even talk about this in my book, where we have to come to a point where there's forgiveness to take that uh, forgiveness got to take place, right? Yes. So, and forgiveness isn't just for the one who's done wrong; it's also for the victim, right? So, you have to understand that uh, in doing so, not only how do we do that, we have to start establishing systems that heal the victim, but they also redemption for the perpetrator as well oh and, yeah you know and that's what america hasn't done is created systems that heal the victim but, but also provide uh redemption for the perpetrators as well and 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 that is the problem in america and that's why we constantly have this problem and it doesn't go away because and we've never took the time to say you know what let's do so and that's what the five-phase plan uh i put in place well, you know, that I've been, you know, teaching is is designed to do. It is designed to create those type of systems. For one, we have the political backing, you know, we have the economic stability. Three, we have the education healthcare system that backs us. Four, we have the home ownership and land ownership. And five, we have the birthright, just like every other culture and just like everybody else. So, and, and so I think that is what 
is the American dream. And that is what every American should have the opportunity to have and to, uh, to establish. And in doing so, we need to work tighter on doing that and work harder in the nation. This is not just a message for Black people, this is for all Americans. I so, agree. And all Americans should step up and step in, right? Be, because, you know, this struggle isn't just for Black people alone. This is an entire American movement. Yeah, because I know plenty I know of people, plenty people that are white are and poor, white. Latin and poor, Asian and poor. It, it, it's, yeah. it's, it's bigger than that. It's a, Right now, we live in a capitalist America. At the end of the day, money mm-hmm. is what runs our country. At the end mm-hmm. of the day, yeah, because like racially, yeah, we can go through the issues that we have racially. That's mm-hmm. always been there. That's been there since we got into slave ships 400 years ago and got dragged mm-hmm. here. But it also is looking at another concept. There's always different sides of the coins that we got to view too. Because right. people want us to be one nation under God. We got to start acting like that. We got to start mm-hmm. being one. And maybe it is going to have to start with us working on our communities first, and then we can bring our communities together and really start building the America that our ancestors wanted, whether it's people that are second, third generation immigrants or whatever it may be. Yeah. We got to start somewhere. Yeah, we have to start because the whole same narrative, we, we can't keep doing that, right? We can't keep thinking the same. We can't keep doing things the same, right? Even the word insanity, you know, everyone understands what people say about insanity. Uh, if you keep doing the same thing, then you get a different result is insanity. You're like, no, you're going to get the same thing. You do the same thing. Exactly. And obviously the same thing isn't working. We're still getting the same results. So, right. I mean, there's only going to be another time where people are not going to be satisfied. It's not going to save their hunger for, mm-hmm. you know, something that's really going to be enriching um, in our culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is such thing as oversaturation. Yeah. And the thing is, is we got to look at it as no man wants to be treated beneath another man. Right? Truth. And or looked down upon. So, and when you don't have the birthrights, you're looked down upon. And that's that's why I have a, a personal, and after doing this research, man, and I've just been looking at, man, I just looked at it as, um, even when they people talk about the welfare system and they talked about how, uh, oh yeah, we did this just for the black communities, you know, but you know, that's for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. And, and but then when they do so to get it, what happens? They say you gotta take the they say women can have as many babies as they want, but you gotta have a man at home. So how do them babies get made? Mm-hmm. It takes two to tango. <laughs> you see my point? So you're saying you're you're incentivizing the destruction of the family structure. Which is what is which destroys the birthrights because the man carries the birthright. When a when when man and woman is married, they come together, right? And then they make a and the child takes the father's name and the woman takes the father the man's name. That is the birthright. So the woman nurtures the seed, right? Nurtures the family uh, name. You see what I'm saying? But if they and say, hey, you know what? You don't have to do that. You're keeping a community down because you're you're taking the very first thing that identifies that individual. You're stripping them of their name. You're stripping them of their pride, their identity, mm-hmm. of their inheritance of wealth, and you're stripping them politically. So you strip them completely down by continuously using this concept. So it, we have to start teaching, especially as Black men, we have to start thinking and teaching and start establishing what is our birthright, right? Because uh, because that's where the growth begins. It has to begin with us as men. Men take charge, men lead, men teach. And so, uh, and that's what I do too. I hold men accountable for this in my book uh, because this is what I was raised to believe that men take charge and it's up to men to be leaders. And we can't wait for nobody else. You know, it's, you can't say, oh man, this person won't do this for my children. You see my point? Mm. And the political system won't do this for you. And especially since we have a, a political system that allows you to literally, you can just go and register um, on your own terms, get about 1500 signatures at a local level, you know, and run for something yourself. Truth. 
you know? So this is why we, we are in the position where we are our ancestors dream. We're in a position that this is what they fought for. This is what they died for. They had to be in position to do so. Now we have to just take those mental chains off and start doing it. Because if we're not doing it and we can do it, we can be in position to do it. We're maintaining those mental chains. It's like a pitch I seen with a horse and they show the horse tied to a chair and the horse wouldn't move. <laughs> Mental slavery, because once that horse got that, you know, that, 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 that chain on him or the, um, the leash on him, right? Mm -hmm. he, he knew he couldn't move, right? They tied him to a post or something, he can't move. So when he tied him to the chair, mentally, he can move the chair, but mentally he had been trained to the point where there's no sense in moving once his leash is on, right? Well, once something. And it's the same concept because we can actually do that now. We can actually be a part of the system and we just got to put more of us with the motivation in place. And, and teaching. And, and I really want people to really get that and understand that because this is where the change comes when people take action. And this is how you take action. Uh, you know, because again, you have to have a political base. Every country is founded with a political base. If you go to Africa, there's a political base. If you go to China, there's a political base. You go anywhere, if you go to Brazil, there's a political base, right? There's a political base everywhere. So we have to learn how to maneuver politically. You know, and, and this is one of the things Malcolm X taught a lot that saying that our culture are uh, politically immature. And so we have to start developing maturity in politics and start finding things that we care about and start backing it politically and getting involved in it politically. Yes. Mm. Well, with that, um, looks like we're running out of time. It looks like we're getting top of the hour already. Um, I'm gonna need you to come back on the show. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Definitely. I'm gonna need you to come back on the show because this this is something I think um, needs to be spoken on a lot more, um, especially um, with the recent events that have occurred in our country. And so far, there's going to be a lot of changes that need to be made because every two years or something happening, whether it's the two-year election, the four-year election, or six years, we need to start really thinking about concepts to really change our community and build each other up and really think about that village mentality we were talking about earlier and really start making differences. And to be quite honest, this is something that is also enlightened me as the host. And I am sincerely glad you came on the show to really bring this to light because this is something that definitely was a needed conversation, sincerely. Yeah. And I appreciate you for that, Mr. Maxwell. It's always an honor and a privilege to have these conversations. I mean, you go back and forth on the internet every once in a while and yeah. And I've always appreciated you, and I'm glad that we stepped around that we still keep in contact since the first time you came on the show. So, yeah, I'm gonna need you to come back, <laughs> yes, sir. Let me know anytime we work it out, you know. And I want to say thank you for having me, man. I really appreciate the fact that you let me come on your show, man, and share your message with your audience. And you know, I want to everyone to understand, man, vote for the transition units theory for the mm -hmm. 21 uh vetties. Um, so that you know, for leadership. And also uh, purchase you a copy of Unapologetically, I'm a Man. It has been ranked on Amazon's top 105 different categories. And so, yeah, and I released it on Juneteenth. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to need you to go ahead and cop that. I'm going to put the link below. I'm going to have them send a couple links. And also, where can they find you on social media, my man? Man, you can find me on my personal website at mr-maxwell.com. You can also find me on Facebook at Mr. Cornelius J. Maxwell. Um, you can also find me just by Cornelius J. Maxwell. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, you know, um, and, and talk to me, reach out to me, man. I, I want to help people. I want to teach people. And uh, I want to scale my platform to where I can do it on a much larger platform, you know, um, because, and, and again, man, because this is so important and this is what we need. And we have to have to make it a personal mission. Yes. My personal mission for each of us. It's just, can't be just Cornelius and Anthony. It has to be each of us in America. You know, we have a you know we have what maybe a hundred million people in this country, maybe or so. It needs to be a mission for a hundred million people. 
You know, right. you know, if we have a billion people in the United States, we need to be a mission for a billion people. And, and we have to continue to spread this message, spread this word, man, and, and the, the five phases, man, and let, let's let's grow. That's right. And I'm with that. All right. And to the folks out there listening, you can find me, of course, at Anthony Anthem on most social platforms. Of course, you can find this wonderful show on Anchor all the way down to um, Heart on um, iHeartRadio as well. That's right. We're on iHeart. You can find me on Spotify. You can find me on pretty much anything that has a um, musical concept of podcast listening for those folks that are looking for something eclectic and also great for their taste and good for their headspace. That's right. I'm good morning, noon, or night. I'm going to stop talking like this, though, because it sounds so monotone. But (laughs) the fact (laughs) of the matter is, this was the first episode of the new show, Anthem Arena, a.k.a. used to be known as the Delivery Bros. We're still delivering it hot. Always ready to be delivered on the table anytime, any place for your face. Now, with that, my name is Anthony Anthem, aka Black Fabio, aka the Midnight Marauder, aka Mr. AKA. And this was Cornelius Maxwell, aka the GOAT. So with that, that's all she wrote. Until next time, peace.